Welcome to In Gear with the Shop. I'm your host, AJ Hecht. Today we're joined by Tom Waitsman, owner of DPS Automotive Group. Started out of the back of his car, Waitsman has grown the Chicago area operation from a one-man show to a one-stop shop since its founding in 2009, and now offers a full slate of services that includes window tint, vinyl wraps, electronics, reupholstery, and much more. In addition to his work for private customers, Waitsman has a robust roster of dealership clients and a knack for designing packages. No better demonstrated than at this year's SEMA show. A member of the SEMA Professional Restylers Organization, Waitsman and DPS took home top honors in the 2021 Pro Cup Challenge, a contest which judges restylers on their ability to put together a marketable, creative, and replicable build. But that's enough for me. Now it's time to get in gear with Tom Waitsman. I'm joined by Tom Waitsman from DPS Automotive Group. Tom, you started out pretty small working out of the trunk of your car and have been growing ever since. How did you manage to grow your customer base enough to open up a physical shop, a permanent shop, and still maintain a high quality of service? That's a great question, AJ. And it's definitely been difficult to do that. Um, I've definitely had my learning curves like I think most shops run into, uh, but I've been very lucky to not only have great customers who've been supportive of me, but being able to get some some amazing technicians over the years that have that uh, think the same way as I do and have the same kind of pride as I do. So we've been able to grow the business by just you know I always come back to the same thing as just saying that we always do the right thing and whether it's painful or not. And um, dealerships, especially on the wholesale level, they really appreciate that. And once you get the reputation of being the company that always does the right thing and always. Um, stands behind your work and 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 takes care of problems, whether or not they were your fault or not. It goes a long way uh, in growing your business. Okay, and can you talk a little bit about those early days when you were working out of your car? I know you've mentioned that you were using just a closet in your apartment as a stock room. So, can you just talk about what that initially looked like, how you got off the ground, and how things developed from there? Yeah, I mean, it really was exactly what what you just said. I. I, I literally went to a local distributor and, and I'd been in the business for a long time before I started DPS. In fact, I had a company from 2000 to 2004 um, called Mobile Soundworks. And then I went to big work for a much larger expediter and then started DPS. So I, I literally went to a distributor and bought a case of remote starts and threw them in the backseat of or the trunk of my car. And I would go out to uh, the few dealerships that I was able to capture at first and go and do the work on site. I would hand write invoices. I would come back to my house, my apartment at night. I'd be entering those invoices into QuickBooks and then starting that process over again the next day. Uh, you since expanded into a larger shop. Um, when did you realize that you needed to make that jump? And again, when you were first starting out from you know, mobile technicians, I guess, if you want to put it that way, starting out uh, there and then again, more recently, what were some of the factors that led to that decision to move into a bigger shop, and why you needed those? Uh, why you needed that uh, bigger space? So we we grew over the years from you know like we said in the beginning is just out of the backseat of my car to then moving into about a two car shop about eight hundred square feet and then acquiring another space right next to that one that was another twelve hundred square feet so we were about two thousand square feet to then a second shop that was down the street. So I had basically three shops all at the same time with a total of about 4,000 square feet. And then then moved once again into 5,500 square feet. 
And we were just busting at the seams at that facility. I mean, we just, mm-hmm. we just couldn't do any more work. It was, and it was causing problems too. We, we, you know, cars were, you know, maybe not getting the right attention that they should. The okay. technicians are falling, losing parts. It's just, it, it was just a mess. Um, so we, um, wasn't great timing, but right before COVID really hit <laughs> around, around, uh, really around January is when I started to work the deal on this building. So January of 2020. So before it really hit and uh, I'm sorry, 19. No, I, I keep on losing myself. 2020. <laughs> yeah. 2020. Okay. You know, t- t- time has been weird. So yeah, weird for everyone. Yeah. We, we, we started negotiating the deal and I literally signed the lease like in the first week of March and maybe, oh and maybe a week later is when the whole world shut down. Yeah. Um, and it, and it, it was it was pretty scary and pretty nerve wracking. But yeah, we, we we took that opportunity. We were lucky enough to get the PPP. I brought all my guys back in and we took that opportunity to build out the shop during that time. So the timing, in fact, ended up working out pretty good for us because yeah. I let us build the shop out. And th- this place is really, you know, it's the first building I've owned. And it really is is not just my home, but I tell my guys all the time that it's it's theirs, too, because it, it's it's just an amazing place and has such a good feeling that the techs feel it my customers feel it vendors come in and feel it it just mm-hmm. it's it just perfect for us it, it really is great um so you mentioned that you do a lot of and you kind of start out working uh, installing remote uh, remote start for dealerships uh, how did you establish those relationships with some of those dealerships you work with then and now uh, and what advice would you have for other resellers who are trying to develop those relationships? So my entrance into the car dealer world really was my older brother who worked at a dealership okay. and was able to introduce me to um, some of the, the managers. And it it turned into me. It started off with me just being the guy who installs stereos for them, and then it and then it turned into remote starters, and then um, ex- expanded from then. And and I mentioned my first company. We we were we were never that big and never had more than about three three to four car dealerships. And the second time around with DPS, it just grew, it grew really, really fast with, um, you know, me being very motivated to get business and, mm-hmm. and, and having a good reputation um, and, and just doing a great job. And so my, uh, my recommendation or my advice to anybody who's trying to get into specifically the, the restyling world, the car dealers mm-hmm. is, you know, number one, it's, it's hundred percent about your relationships. People, you know, people buy from who they like. And so yeah. you, you got to build those relationships. Um, and, and then you, you just always have to do, and it's not, I feel like it's not just in our business, but any service business, it, 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 it sounds, it sounds easy. I know it's not that easy, but the kind of the basis of it is pretty easy that you just got to do the right thing. You got to just make sure you do what you say you're going to do. If you're going to quote a price, live up to that price. If you say that you're going to service a, a, a particular way and be there at a certain time, you, you just got to do it. And you, you have to make sure that, that people can count on you and, um, and people respect that and appreciate that and will stick with that guy that not only they like, but they know that they can always count on and they can always mm-hmm. reach out to because the dealerships, they, they, you know, they, they need that type of relationship. If they, if, if they didn't, if they didn't have that type of relationship with their restyler, then they don't, they don't really need you. They don't really need us. Yeah. Do, do you think that's the key to maintaining those relationships too, and making them last over years and helping your business continue to flourish, continue to grow? 
Absolutely. I, I, I hate to say that you don't have to keep your phone on 24 hours a day, but you do. You you have to be there for these stores. I, you know, it didn't it didn't take very long for my wife to realize that and she wasn't my wife at the time, but that those relationships and us being for that's what pays the bills. You know, anytime yeah. a dealership calls me and says, Hey, I'm sorry for calling you 630. I know with you, you know, you're with your family. And I say, don't apologize to me. You're you're the reason why I can be here in this home and feed my kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those, I, I'm not saying that you don't have, I'm not saying that you need to dedicate, you know, every second of your life to the business, but you have to be there because if you don't pick up the phones, somebody else will. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure a lot of your business with these dealerships is working on packages, whether it's small or large. Um, you won the Pro Cup Challenge at the SEMA show this year. Um, you had a, it was an awesome, I saw it, Myself, uh, really cool satin blue uh, VW Atlas uh, cross um, that won the Pro Cup Challenge, uh, was voted on by your peers. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how you came up with that design for that particular build? And more generally about how you decide on vehicles, how you, design, uh, how you decide what accessories you're going to put into the package, um, and a little bit more just your design process in general. Yeah. So that vehicle, I, I can't take a, a lot of the credit for that vehicle. I mean, I'll take some credit, but a lot of it, a lot of it was number one, the, the the general manager of the dealership who gave us the car. He he's very involved, okay, and and, and definitely has, um, you know, he he looks to us for for advice and ideas, and if he says something looks good, and I say I think that's a bad idea, he listens to me. But we really we really collaborated a lot, and. Um, the, the rest of my team, um, you know, sp- specifically my vinyl technician, mm-hmm. who, who's unbelievable, Philippe, I, I go to him and I say, what do you think? I want to do this color, you know, and, and, and he'll look at me and be like, oh, I kind of shrug his shoulders and be like, I don't think so. But we, we, we came up with it together and we wanted to do something unique and we wanted to do something that we thought no one else would have out there. And I think we achieved it because I didn't really see anything else that had the same look that we had. So that that's on the pro cup, but overall in building packages, I, I really try to do the same thing. And, you know, yeah, we do our same type of packages over and over. And we have that same blackout package that we do on a bunch of different cars, but mm-hmm. anytime that we can be unique, I want to do that because that sets us apart from not only our competition, but it sets that car apart from what may be in the same brand dealership five miles away that a customer is going to see. And, and, and now we're, now they're fighting for price again. And the whole idea of these packages is that we're not fighting about price because the customers see something very unique. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I, I'm sure it's probably difficult. I mean, part of building these packages, right, is making them repeatable so that the dealership can continue to sell these and find those profit margins and uh, continue to make money off these, these builds how do you find that line between unique and repeatable? I'm sure that's difficult for you, right? It's, it's very difficult, but to, for, for me to set us apart from other people, I really try to do things that are not that repeatable by other people and repeatable Mm -hmm. by us. And, and, And that's a big reason why I chose a wrap. I mean, a lot of guys can do Chrome delete, potentially and do a decent job on it and a lot of guys can do wraps too mm-hmm. but but to but to do a wrap in a high quality where a customer will look at it and not pick it apart or it's not going to come back a year later with everything peeling off and stuff that that's mm-hmm. difficult 
And that, at least for me and for our company, I try to do things that are not repeatable because then I don't have to compete on price. We're, we're different from uh, potentially someone else who's coming and trying to get that same business. Okay. And so are, are wraps and just vinyl PPF, that whole segment, is that your primary uh, source of business? It, it no, it's, it's, no, it's, 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 it's definitely not. We're, we're, we're really diverse and I really try <laughs> not to put everything in one. Um, so, I, you know, over the past two or three years, we've literally been able to enter into or be in the film category, the, the chemical coating, the, so ceramic coatings, undercoating, rust proofing, mm-hmm. uh, leather, remote starts, electronics, and it's and truck accessories. And it really is a pretty even split between all okay. of them. I really don't have, I mean, we do a lot of film today mm-hmm. between window tint, clear, uh, clear film or clear bra and vinyl wraps. Mm-hmm. But, but all of those categories are, are pretty evenly split up, which, okay. which I think my advice for any business is that's, that's a healthy way of, mm-hmm. of running your business. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so amongst all of those different areas that you work in, I mean, what kind of trends have you been seeing or is anything been growing exponentially lately has anything been kind of scaling back uh what have you been seeing lately yeah so film is absolutely growing uh, and window tint and clear bra is you know window tint is always a popular category clear bra mm-hmm. is, is growing a lot i feel like people are, mm-hmm. are are seeing more value than ever and wraps are just exploding i mean there's just so many people who want to mm-hmm. be unique and they're you know, you, you could, you could bolt on a set of wheels or a set of step tubes and lift it up and and look a little different, but wraps are just endless possibilities of colors and combinations. Yeah. And, and so people love it and the, the prices have come down a, a little bit, you know, there's a lot of time that goes into it, but yeah. you know, that's the more we do and the faster we can do it, the more reasonably priced we could be. Okay. And is there anything you guys have been moving away from that you've seen that you've been uh, working on less and less lately? Not necessarily moving away from by our choice, but safety products, unfortunately, have taken a a, a big drop. So Mm -hmm. backup cameras and backup sensors, mobile video has also taken, although there's the the tablets that I put inside that, um, the Pro Cup Challenge car from from Vox Electronics, which is Mm -hmm. from Rosen 2, those have really brought a lot of life back into mobile video, but but overheads are not what they used to be. Yeah. and we've done a lot more remote starts this year than we did last year, but remote starts, unfortunately, are trending the other direction. And, and you know, if you go back eight years ago or even less than that, maybe six or seven years ago, my business was like 40 or 50 percent remote starts. OK, yeah. So that, that, that was that was scary. I'm glad that it's not that big of a part of it. I mean, it's still a, a big part of my business, but certainly yeah. not half of it. OK. Uh, I mean, along with remote start and rear view cameras, as you mentioned, I mean, OEMs are always adding these things in as factory offerings. How do you adapt when say GM or Honda or whoever makes rear view cameras standard? What, how do you move on from that? And, uh, how have you been able to, uh, change your product offering to your customers since those things have happened? So I think that's a twofold. Uh, there's a twofold answer to that. The uh, manufacturers making its standard equipment 
it is good product recognition for cars that, that don't have a standard equipment. So it's, it's great when the, like the full view mirrors came out mm-hmm. and we say to customers, well, look what, what Cadillac is doing. And they're putting these full view mirrors in and, and maybe the Lexus that is in the same category as that Escalade is not. Mm-hmm. And so I use that as an opportunity to say, Hey, the Escalade customers looking at all these features and maybe that's something that's important to them. And you're about the same price, but if we put this mirror and now you're, you know, you're at par potentially with that dealership. So, or with that other brand. So we use it for that. And mm-hmm. then it's, with every product, we constantly have to be looking for something different and something new. We just, we have to, I mean, I watch a lot of companies who have, who have been stuck in, in their ways and doing the same things. Mm-hmm. And that's why I go to the SEMA show. That's why I joined SEMA pro. That's why I read all the industry magazines, like your magazine. I mean, that that's that I think that's what we all have to do collectively is mm-hmm. constantly look for different things. Cause if we don't adapt, then we're, then we're all in trouble. Okay. Uh, Speaking of adapting, I mean, EVs are taking off. I mean, GM the other day announced that they were investing $7 billion in their EV production. How do you think that's going to affect the reselling business, if it will at all? Um, And how are you preparing for any of those possibilities? So it'll clearly affect the electronics business. There's, mm-hmm. there's, no, there's no way around that. We're not going to be putting remote starts in those cars. We're not going to be putting safety systems. We might be doing some audio upgrades, certainly not touching the infotainment system, but maybe we could do speakers or mm-hmm. things like that. But it, it's, we're going to have to shift all of our energy to, uh, to styling, to making those cars look better and look different. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I don't, you know, outside of that, I don't, we're just, there's certain parts of the car we're just not going to be able to touch, but it it honestly doesn't scare me. It it really doesn't because Mm -hmm. I, I, number one, I think it's going to be a long time before EVs are, are the, um, the majority of cars. If if ever, I don't know if it's ever going to be the majority, Um, but, but number two, those, those consumers, honestly, if you look at like Tesla consumers, mm-hmm. they, they love to customize their cars. Yeah. yeah. So th- those are actually our consumers. So they're, they're going to drive that for us. They're, they're going to say, I want this to be a different color. Or I want this or I want that. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not worried about it at all. I, I'm actually excited about it. Is there any way that you're trying to get out ahead of that and capitalize on that audience right now? We, we personally have not. Um, and, and now that you said that, I'm going to start because <laughs> there, there are a lot of companies that put a lot of time and energy into going after specifically Tesla customers. I mean, I know rap companies that that's all they do. They don't even want to mm-hmm. touch anything else. All they want to do is, is Tesla. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's definitely a community that all of us should be looking at, whether it be the, the car clubs or it be... Um, you know, uh, partnering with that dealership or, or whatever, I think we, we all should be targeting those customers to, to keep them engaged and, and making their cars unique, which is that that's what our business is all about is making cars unique. Uh, do you think it'll affect anything on the employee training side? That's something I've always been kind of curious about. Yeah. I mean, for electronics, it, it potentially would, but if you look at a lot of the categories, if I'm putting film or I'm putting on a ceramic coating or, or, mm-hmm. or a clear bra or whatever, it doesn't really matter to us, 
you know what kind of car it is when when it comes to, when it comes to uh, electronics in the vehicle like when we got to be worried about putting say window tint on the windshield and worry about water we already have that problem now so we already have to be very concerned with with these cars because even though it may not be an ev yeah. the cars are, are filled with computers that are controlling the car and yeah. if you make one computer mad you're in trouble yeah okay um kind of want to switch gears a little bit here um big thing that everyone is talking about is supply chain uh have, have you had any issues i know on the manufacturer side it's not even just um it's it's spanning the whole spectrum it's sourcing materials lead times everything i don't know if if you've had any issues in how you've been trying to manage those things yeah so the the supply of vehicles I think I probably speak for a lot of people that has actually been good for our industry from the dealership side because they want to accessorize these cars to make sure that they can get as much profit out of these cars as possible because they have to. They're, they're you know, they're going to sell 100 cars a month instead of 200 cars a month. So they don't have any choice other than to make more money on each car so they can so they can survive. Mm-hmm. So on that side of it, it's been good. I think it's affected some of the packages, though, um, mm-hmm. because it, it used to be a lot easier if they had five Yukons to say, you know, give me two of them to put packages on it. You know, now they might look at you and say, well, I only have one and it's already sold and the mm-hmm. customer the customer's already paying over sticker price for it. So wh- why would I want to customize it? So, uh, but we've been able to overcome those, those challenges by just doing different things. So it, it's helped our business supply chain on us getting uh, parts mm-hmm. or, get, or getting inventory for my company. Personally, we really haven't had very much disruption. We've been very, we've been very lucky and our vendors have been very good to us and have made sure that, that they fed us with products. So um, certainly there's been things that have been harder to get or um, uh, maybe not available, but the cost of everything is, is obviously skyrocketing. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's been difficult to, to absorb. And I think us, like most people, we've had to increase our prices because we just don't have a choice. We have to. Yeah. Has there been any consumer response to that or have things kind of remained pretty steady? I know interest is up kind of across the board, but I don't know from your perspective, if you've seen anything change. You mean consumer response and business backing off a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely would say the last three weeks or so, um, mm-hmm. December was a really good month and, and January is actually going to end up still pretty good, but mm-hmm. we, def- we definitely feel the run- the phones ringing a little bit less, mm-hmm. um, but I, I don't, it's hard. January is a weird month and it's hard yeah. to trip that to anything in particular. Uh, but uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how things play out um, as, as some supplies are coming back and some things are a lot mm-hmm. easier to get than they were even just a couple of weeks ago. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Great. Well, that's all the time we have, Tom. Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate your time. Thank and you. Very much. Yeah. Happy to have you. Thank you. Thanks again to Tom Waitzman of DPS Automotive Group for joining the show. And thank you for listening to another episode of In Gear with the Shop. You can subscribe to this production through any of your favorite platforms, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Head over to theshopmag.com to subscribe to the magazine or the shop's daily e-newsletter, which will help you keep up to date on the newest episodes of In Gear with the Shop, as well as the latest news and trends in the automotive aftermarket. I'm your host, AJ Hecht. Cheers.